morning. Welcome to church. Will you stand with me? Jesus, we welcome you in this place today. Be glorified by everything that's said and sung and preached and prayed. Jesus, this time is yours. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts, move among us. We pray this in your name. Amen.
Sing all I am, Lord. All I am, Lord, here before you, reaching out for more. You're the promise, never failing. You are my reward. You are my reward. I let go of all I have just to have all of you. And no matter what the cost, I will follow you. Jesus, everything I've lost, I have found. treasures that will satisfy every longing for you Jesus set this heart on fire Jesus set this heart on Yeah. 
the time of prayer. You can you can stand, you can sit. Let's pray together. Jesus, we cry, Hosanna. Lord, save us. It's the same cry that was said thousands of years ago as you entered into Jerusalem that Passover week. And it's the same cry that we have today. Jesus, we need you. Save us. Hosanna. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the way that you chose to step into humanity to save us. God, we come to you today as hurting people. We come with hurts of our own and hurts for others. And Jesus, I pray that even now you will be the God that heals. I thank you that there is no sickness There is no problem. There is no situation that is beyond your reach. And so, Jesus, right now, we commit them to you. May your will be done, not only on earth, but specifically in our hearts and in our situations, as you would have it be done in heaven. Pray that you'll be with us during this holy week. As we move from celebration today to celebration next week, which which is Easter, It almost feels weird to not acknowledge that this is one of the darkest weeks in history. And yet you choose to give your life freely. So we sing Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Be with our church. Be with those other churches that are gathering around Port Orange, that are gathering around the world lifting up the name of Jesus. God, may your Holy Spirit fall on them afresh and anew. May may your spirit be sensed. May lives be changed. Thank you, God, that you are a God who is not distant and far off and laissez-faire and hands-off, but you are a God that wants to be intricately involved with every detail of our lives because you love us. So we give ourselves to you. Even now, we renew our commitment to you. We love you. We want to serve you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. I'm going to call Kevin up. Um, Many of you don't know this, but um, Kevin's had a rough week. And uh, he wanted to share for a minute. So I'm going to give this to you. Okay. You feel good? A little dizzy. You want to just, why don't you just stop right here? Okay. We'll get you. So, and if you can hold that mic up so that, yeah. Okay. Sorry for the little disorientation. It's everything that I'm on right now. Is, uh, Monday of last week, uh, they put me on the table and went through my throat and did a biopsy. And uh, right then and there, they told me I had cancer. Told me to take two more days to try and figure out what type of cancer I had. So, I'm here because um, I know in my heart, I haven't listened to the Lord, and yeah, some people may brush it off, but the Sabbath day is His day, 
and I knew in my heart the two days what I did and what I did wrong. And in a way, this is uh, my payment to come around for going against what he says. You think of, uh, is it Job or Joel? Job. Job. And what he did to him. So, just in that verse and chapter, you can imagine. I, I think that uh, what I've learned when we see things that happen and we don't look at why they happen badly, we keep going on and making the same mistakes over and over again. Uh, so my, my thought from my heart that the Lord wants me to bring is when you follow Him, you follow Him devotely. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts uh, other than what He's given us in the Scripture. Of course, if you're f- protecting the flock and one of them falls in a pit, then yes, on the Sabbath you're going to go save that. But other than that, you know, the rest of the day He's asked for Himself. So this is... What my heart that he's wanted me to share with my brothers and sisters. And uh, I'm sorry I haven't brought it to you sooner. So, in the Lord's name. Hey, can we pray for you real fast? Yeah. Jason, do you want to pray? Go ahead and pray. Kevin, I... Uh, I appreciate our friendship. Um, Spending the nine months I've been here, you've taught me a lot. You've shown me some strange things. Uh, taken me out on boats and scared me to death in places I, I'm, that's unfamiliar to me. But uh, I just want to say I, I appreciate your friendship. And um, it's been hard since I found out uh, the journey that you're on. But I want to pray, as this week is very significant, as I know that this is the week... When God said, don't worry, I've got everything covered, including death. Um, If I can't trust that, man, I'm going to get out of here and go do something else with my life. But I trust that more than anything. That's all I've got to lean on. So let's go to him now. Father, I thank you for Kevin. I thank you for his, his desire to serve you, his desire to be with you, and Lord, and his faithfulness. His example, as he's been hit with the the hardest news possible. Lord, I pray for, I really ask you, God, that you give him some comfort right now. That you in no undeniable way, that you show him, hey, Kevin, I'm here for you and I love you. I don't understand your will sometimes. I really don't. But Lord, I know that your purposes are good that you love Kevin, you love all of us more than we could ever imagine. So be with him, Lord. Give him strength. And we pray for healing. Ultimately, Lord, we know that you will make him whole again someday. Whether here on earth or beyond, I don't know. I pray that it's here, but Lord, keep him strong, keep him faithful, and just reassure him about your love. And Lord, as you do these great things, we know that the, the... Witness that Kevin has is just going to be amazing and life-changing. And we need that kind of good message. As you, this week, will speak to us once again about how death is just a 
little thing and that you have eternal life. We praise you, Father. And we thank you again for this great life and this man. Amen. Well, a few announcements here. Uh, so, today is, is Palm Sunday. And, uh, meaning next week is Easter. Now, is it showing up on a Sunday morning that is, gets everything done? No, that, that's not it. We often put uh, everything on showing up. But I think next week is a great week to invite someone to show up because the message that comes with Easter is unlike any other message. I mean, we have either found the greatest thing of all time or we are honestly, you're a bunch of kooks, including myself, because the message of Easter is wacky. God, so creative everything, came to earth to be like us, to show us the way. And they said, hey, I'm going to give myself up, be killed for you in the most po- the worst way possible, and then I'm going to show you that this is just nothing, that it is completely defeated, and I will live forever and bring you with me if you want to follow. What a kooky message if it's not true, right? It really is, you think about that. But man, like many of you, I've tried every other path out there. I was like, man, nothing else has brought any sort of life other than that. And so, invite someone next week. If you know of someone that needs to hear that message, message of hope. That's what it is, basically. It is a message of hope. If you know of someone who is lacking in hope in their life, healing, despair, whatever's going on, that is a great time to have them here. Now, there is, I don't know if I'm allowed to market it as this way, but I'm, having, I'm throwing a bit of a pre-party before church next week. Can I call it that? Uh, I'm going to go down. I love going on Sunday mornings down to the beach for sunrise. I have sunrise services all throughout the year. It's a lot of fun. But next week, going to have a, a real one. I'm going to be down at Toronita. You guys know where Toronita is? If you don't know, go over Dunlawton Bridge. Take a right. It's where Kevin is where you were baptized last summer, where my son was. Dusty, right? Great place. There'll be lifelong memories for me as my, my middle boy was baptized there last summer. Many of you were there. We're going to be there, if you want to come, 6.30 next Sunday morning. And there will be a lot of other churches there. It is a great time to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ. To just, as we celebrate, as we watch the sunrise and we celebrate new creation. And what is God if He's not a creator of just wonderful things? And then... uh well, next, I guess on April 24th, I am speaking at Deland Church of the Nazarene. It's kind of a, well, the guy that put it together, he doesn't, I've been trying to explain what we're doing. It says Church Planner for New Smyrna Beach. That's not exactly what it is, but I would love to explain to you more about what I, I want to do here in the area, and that is help to start new churches, new works. Pastor has talked a lot about fresh expressions, but I was speaking at that church 6 p.m. on the 24th, about what it means to bring new works to the area. Uh, there are a lot of people we know. You could say, hey, I will give you 20 bucks to show up on Sunday morning. They're still not going to come. But you might be able to say to them, hey, let's go grab coffee. 
hey, this group of us grab coffee. Hey, let's play disc golf together. Whatever it is. And this kind of thing I'm going to talk about. It is using your life, what you do already, every day, your business, your hobbies, whatever, and bringing that message of hope to people through that. So I'll be in Deland on the 24th uh, if you want to come and hang out. And I think that's about it. Anything else you'd like? All right. Jules, you want to talk? You know, you know what? You had some uh, really great stuff last week. So I'd love you to just share about what, what happened through all that. Well, I just wanted to um, take this minute to say thank you to you guys. Most of all, and first because of your prayers, Aaliyah and the kids made it, and they made it safely. It was scary. Um, but it, it it all happened as planned, and um, they finally made it home to their new home at three in the morning. <laughs> and uh, she walked into a house filled with everything that she needed, everything, literally. And it was because of you guys. I didn't know what was going to happen when I got up here Sunday. I mean, Diana came to me Friday and said I need help, and I turned to my family and friends who helped immediately with the things that they could and then all I could think of was church and that's why I wear this shirt (laughs) I love my church so I reached out to you guys and amazing things happened and you are an amazing people an amazing church and I cannot thank you enough for all that you did for her and she was going to be here today with the kids but ended up with a flat tire this morning so um, they will try to get here next Sunday for Easter but thank you again. Thanks, Jason. Now, I think I went out of order on some things here. And one of my favorite parts is what we call passing the peace. So, look around. We've got a lot of new faces today, some unfamiliar ones. Now, I know some of you are really good at awkward hugs and stuff. Maybe lay off a little bit. But find our visitors, find your old friends, and just say hi. And let's, uh, let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
best part of worship. Well, I, let me take that back. You're going to have to do it differently. So I encourage you to tag someone online. We've got Pastor Tim in the house, our online pastor. And he is back there working his magic with the keyboard. And this is what it is. I love it. If, if you are not familiar with our church, we love each other. And we talk and talk and talk. And I can't even wrangle anybody back together. So uh, I'll just... Uh, We come to a time of worship, a time of worship through giving. And uh, although we are no longer passing the plates at this point for safety reasons, uh, we have ways to give in the back, and you can give online, you can text give or or however. But um, we do see this time as a part of worship as well, because we believe that everything we have is God's, not just our heart, not just our activities, but our time, our talents, our energies, our money, our resources, our relationships, it's all God's. And so we take a moment each Sunday and just remind ourselves that God is in control. And that's easy to say and run the video, but I'm with you. There are times when it doesn't feel as easy when I'm writing that check or when I know that auto debit is coming out. I'm thankful that we serve a God that is faithful. We serve a God that is with us, and I'm thankful that we can give cheerfully and joyfully because we understand that he owns it all. I, we, I had a friend who was a pastor, and she was talking about um, she wanted to go to school, she needed to go to college, and she had zero money. So she moved to Nashville with nothing. And the only thing she had to go on was the psalm that said, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And she said, well, if he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, he can surely butcher one for me. So she moved from Ohio to Nashville with nothing, with nowhere to go, nowhere to stay. She didn't have diddly squats. She goes to Nashville First Church of the Nazarene for a Sunday evening service. And out of nowhere, during the meet and greet time, a guy walks up to her, says, are you new here? She says, yeah. They exchange names. He says, This is going to sound weird. I don't have a lot of money, but I'm a butcher. And I would love to sell some of my meat and help you get to college. We serve a God that is creative enough to surprise us by the way God blesses us and ministers to us. And so we give back to God out of faithfulness because we know that God's in control. And things that we can't see are still happening beneath the surface and behind the scenes. And we trust a God that is always working and ever active. And so uh, let's pray right now for the offering. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you have provided for every need that we have. You've provided for needs that we don't even realize we have yet. And I'm speaking personally and corporately and as a church. And so we trust you today. And we give everything to you. I pray that not just this moment of giving, but I pray that our lives will be lives of giving. That we will live lives of response, lives of gratitude, lives of giving. We pray this in your name, Jesus, the one who gave it all for us. Amen.
to start off by saying thank you uh, to the band. Justin called this morning and is not feeling well, and so um, when you don't have a drummer and you plan songs with a lot of drums, it makes things interesting, and I'm just thankful that, you know, we all just said it is what it is. Let's do this, and so uh, thank you to the band. Thank you. I mean, I, I hope you know how lucky we are. We have, you know, Half a dozen up here, half a dozen back there that are running live stream and, and online pastor and sound and AV and all that kind of stuff. And so um, thank you guys. Can we thank them for that? It, it, it's seamless when it goes right, isn't it? And then, and then Jason and I will constantly be changing things and throwing them for a loop and skipping over certain things and causing them to panic. And <clears throat> So today we are in another, um, another week. Uh, we begin Holy Week, and this is Palm Sunday. And this is, we celebrate a week in history that changed the course of humanity. And so um, today we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there, or if you have them on your app. We'll get to it in just a minute. Uh, but today we celebrate this triumphant Jesus that entered into Jerusalem for this final act of love. I wanted to start off, though, by reading a a poem. It's an anonymous poem from a Confederate soldier, and it's titled, A Creed for Those Who Have Suffered. And maybe you've heard this before or parts of it before. It says this. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life, and I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am, among men, most richly blessed. Can you relate to that? I mean, I think we've all been there where we thought we wanted something or we thought we needed something, and it turns out that someone knew better. Um, We have this grass is always greener on the other side mentality, and then we realize that uh, maybe the grass we have is exactly the grass we're supposed to have. So often um, we get caught up in these thoughts of what we want, but when we achieve what we want or when we get what we think we need, they end up finding us feeling unfulfilled or lacking. That's what's been going through my mind this week as I've been studying Matthew chapter 21. 
And, and so we're going to get there. But again, we talk about when we look at scripture, we want to ask a couple of questions. Who's talking? Who's being spoken to? What's the setting? Uh, another thing I like to do is try to find myself in the story. You know, who's there and in, into whose um, vision can I see things? So, so Matthew chapter 21 says this. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to a town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two ahead of them. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there with a colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So the two disciples did as Jesus commanded, and they brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. And most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all the people around him were shouting, Praise God! Praise God for the Son of David! Or, Hosanna! Blessings! On the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heavens. And the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. The crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So I've been trying to think, okay, so where could we stand in this story? Well, you've got Jesus and what's going on with him. You've got the disciples, and we could maybe look at Scripture through the lens of the two disciples that were going and following Jesus' command. We could talk about maybe the, tw- the ten disciples that stayed back with Jesus and what they might have been thinking. We could have been talking about the man who owned the donkey and the colt and what he might have thought when these two strange guys come and it looks like they're stealing his animals. We could have looked at this passage through the lens of many different people, but I thought today what we would do is look at it through the lens of a larger group, through the lens of the Roman citizens, the Roman guards. See, what's happening in this story as Matthew is writing it, you got Jesus entering into Jerusalem, right? But come on, what's the big deal? All right, he's coming into Jerusalem. Well, actually, through the lens of the Romans, this is a pretty big deal. See, Matthew is really describing this Roman tradition that happened for Roman emperors and Roman royalty and Roman leaders that were very, very special. And yet Jesus isn't any of those. See, if a Roman leader was coming into Rome... The heart of the empire, there'd be this big processional 
And there'd be these high honors and this praising and the crowds would gather and they would shout to the emperor or they would shout to the generals that were riding by and they would come by and they'd be led by the government officials and they'd be fo- and then following that would be the sacrificial animals that they were going to take to the Roman temples to sacrifice to the Roman gods, these sacrifices. And then would be the person of the hour riding in, normally wearing purple on a chariot of his own and followed behind him would be all the spoils from the victories that he had won. The servants, the people that were taken into captivity, all of these people would follow behind. But Matthew isn't talking about a Roman emperor or a Roman general or someone who's won a great victory. He's talking about this carpenter, Jesus, as this victorious leader coming into town. And he's not coming into Rome, the heart of empire. He's riding into Jerusalem, the heart of Jewish faith. And Jesus wasn't, he wasn't entering as a victor of war. He didn't have a procession of things that he had achieved and things that he had taken and victories that he had won. He entered, honestly, into a death march. He knew where he was going. He knew that the cross was the end goal for that march. He understood that his entry was the beginning of what would be the fulfillment of all the prophecies. And Matthew shows this upside-down nature of the kingdom of God when he has this humble servant carpenter riding into the heart of Jewish faith in a similar way that a Roman leader would enter into the heart of their empire. And it's as if Matthew is saying, true victory comes through humility and not conquest. If you want true victory, it doesn't come by overpowering and defeating and killing other people. It comes through this humble servant, Jesus. So that's the setting. This nobody Jewish carpenter is riding into town and people are getting all excited and they're treating him like Roman royalty. And if we stand in the place of the Romans and we look at the situation, I imagine they're thinking, what on earth is going on? I mean, I imagine they were getting a little anxious for this reason. It was the Passover. Historians say that there could have been upwards of 500,000 extra Jewish people in Jerusalem during Passover. Half a million extra people. And you have somebody riding in who has the favor of the crowd, who claims to be the king, who is being processed in like he is the ruler. I imagine the Romans would have been at least... I think they would have had Jesus on their radar at least. If you're a Roman soldier, you'd be sitting there thinking, what on earth is going on? I mean, this is ludicrous. It's almost blasphemy because we revere our leaders to such a high extreme and you are treating this, well, he's not even a Roman citizen. I think they probably would have seen him as a political troublemaker. I think they would have thought, you know what, we've squelched insurrections in the past, we'll do it again. 
The crowds can yell and they can cheer, but it won't disturb the empire. We're going to be fine. There will be no liberation for the Jewish people this week. That's what they were saying, but what they didn't realize was Jesus had been liberating people the entire time. The Romans were afraid of some physical revolution, some some physical liberation from the oppressed, but Jesus had already, his entire ministry, been liberating people. Think about it. The miracles of the healing. He'd been physically liberating people with restored sight, with healing of their sicknesses, with healing of their deformities and their lameness and their leprosy, with bringing people back to life. Not only was he healing physically through the miracles, but he was healing just their basic needs. I think of their hunger and their thirst. I mean, all you have to do is think about the feeding of the 5,000 or the turning the water into wine. And you can see that Jesus was performing miracles that was meeting the basic needs of the people. He was already a physical liberator. And within the course of a week, we would also see Jesus, the victor of the grave. It's as if God's ultimate stamp of physical healing, when we get a glimpse of the resurrection that is promised to all those who believe in him. I think they would have seen him as a political troublemaker. I think they also would have seen him as a social distractor. But he had been doing that the entire time. I mean, think about it. Jesus called people to live in a different economy. Not an economy of money, but an economy of grace. Not an economy of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but an economy of forgiveness. He calls tax collectors to stop cheating. He calls wealthy people to live with scandalous generosity. He pronounced blessings upon the poor. He is already a social revolutionary leader. He called people out of their legalism. He was constantly breaking rules. Back then, you weren't supposed to talk to a woman who was not part of your family. And yet, time and again, Jesus is interacting with women that weren't part of his immediate family. He was breaking the legalism that had bound them for so long. He would heal on the Sabbath. He would touch diseased people that were considered unclean that were social outcasts. He liberated people time and again that if you looked at their lives, you'd say they are living in isolation. And Jesus liberated them and brought them into community. Communion with him and communion with others. That's why we pass the peace. I think they would have thought of him as a political troublemaker. I think they would have called him as a social troublemaker. I don't think they would have thought of him this way, but he was a spiritual liberator. I mean, he exercised demons. He pointed people towards God. He told people to repent of their sins. He urged them to live a righteous life. Looking on the outside, you might say, well, why is Matthew writing about Jesus like he's a victorious warrior. 
I think Matthew is foreshadowing that Jesus is the victorious one who can save us from our sins. He is the Messiah. And so the crowds cry, Hosanna, when he answers. The crowds cry, Lord, save us. That's literally, literally what Hosanna means. Lord, please save us. Save us from the Romans. Save us from the oppressors. Deliver us from these bad people. Heal our land. Heal our bodies. Make things right finally, Jesus. Lord, save us. But like the poem written by the Confederate soldier, they they were asking for things they wanted, but they weren't really asking for things they needed. I imagine if you had a person <coughs> sorry a person on that day that was writing an anonymous poem for the hurt. They they might write this. I asked for might that I might crush my Roman enemies. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of a Savior. I asked for power that I could be important. I was made a servant that I could learn to submit under another person's authority. I asked for freedom that I could feel self-sufficiency. I was given bondage that I might learn the ways of this suffering servant. I asked for salvation, that I could be rescued from my circumstances. I was given true salvation, that I might be delivered from my sins and from myself. Because of the obedience of Christ, who would ultimately die for humanity, I think they would say I, and I feel like we could say we, are most richly blessed. So let me ask you some questions today. Next Sunday we're going to be at resurrection. But today we are still in this season where we are reflecting and asking God to teach us something new and asking God to probe us so that we are ready to fully receive our King on Easter Sunday. So let me ask, where do you need a Savior today? Is there a part of your life that's weighing you down? Like a a ball and chain around your neck, is there anything that you feel that's keeping you from being all that you know God wants you to be? Where do you need a Savior today? Let me ask you this. Where is Jesus seeking to free you? Is there a part of your heart that you've been holding back? A part of your life that you're just not quite ready to surrender? And you think I'm holding it back and it's keeping me free, but really it's, it's not. Where is G- Jesus seeking to free you? Is there something that you need to confess today? 
Let me ask you this. What systems, we were talking about the Roman system, what systems is Jesus wanting to tear down in your life? Maybe it's the system of always putting on a smiling face and pretending like you're not hurting or you're not broken. You're not damaged. But the truth is, we all have brokenness. And putting on a facade doesn't help you. It doesn't help us. It doesn't bring healing. And it doesn't surrender to Jesus. What if you were to just get rid of that whole system of, I'm okay? And just be honest and say, you know what? Maybe I'm a hot mess right now, but I'm his hot mess. Let me ask you this. What are you, call, what are you being called to join in the work of the kingdom of God? What are you not doing that God's calling you to do and you've resisted? It feels weird. I don't feel comfortable. I'm not good enough. I don't have the degree for it. I don't, maybe I'm just... This is going to hurt some feelings, possibly. But I'm convinced that a Christian that is not actively involved in ushering in the kingdom of God is a Christian by title only. And the reason I feel that way is because the brother of Jesus, James, would say it this way. What good is it, dear brothers or sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your action? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, hey, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. If your spiritual walk consists of sporadically attending church and occasionally reading your Bible and rarely giving your time or your talents or your energies, then James, the brother of Jesus, is saying, you may have a deeper issue that you need to address. Is there a part of the kingdom of God that you are being called to participate in that you're not participating in? Last question. Are you missing out on your liberation because you're wanting a liberation of a different kind? The crowds that day were wanting relief from the symptoms that they felt. They were wanting relief from the Roman Empire. They were wanting relief from captivity. But what they were really needing was relief from the sin that permeates our lives, and they needed a Savior that could heal them completely, not just liberate them physically. Are you asking for the right kind of liberation? Am I asking for the right kind of liberation? 
if we're only asking for relief from symptoms and we're not getting to the heart of the issue, which is our heart, then we're missing freedom that is offered to us. Wouldn't it be nice to finally be free? Wouldn't it be nice to find liberation that Christ has for us, which is freedom in Christ because of the faithfulness of Christ? I don't know if any of those questions hit you. I'm praying at least one of them did. As we come into this week, we always celebrate the resurrection on Sundays. But my challenge to you this week is to not lose sight of the holiness of these painful moments between Sunday and Sunday. With a frustrated Jesus that would go into the temple and overturn the tables because the people that were supposed to be helping the helpless were instead choosing to turn a profit over their pain. Don't miss the holy moments of Jesus being with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Don't miss those holy moments of Jesus being in the upper room with his disciples and washing their feet and teaching them of a better way. Of telling them that he's leaving, but he's sending someone greater. He's sending an advocate, the Holy Spirit, that will be with us. And because the Holy Spirit's coming with us, we will in turn do greater things. Don't miss these holy moments. Don't miss the holy moment of Jesus in the garden. In one of the most human moments that is recorded, where the Son of God, who knew the ultimate plan of God, still said, if there's another way. But nevertheless, I want the will of the Father more than I care about the safety and the well-being of me. Because I understand that we serve a good Father, and the will of the Father is always good for the people of God. Don't miss the holy moment of Jesus being taken, taken to trial. First by the religious leaders and then by the political leaders. And ironically, the religious leaders are the ones that want him killed and the political leaders don't want to kill him. Don't miss the holy moments of Jesus being crowned and robed by enemy soldiers. And being mocked. Because they didn't see the person that was in front of them. Don't miss the holy moments of that walk down the Via Dolorosa to the, the mount, the place of the skull. Don't miss the holy moments of Jesus being raised up and sacrificed. Historians say with, with half a million people there offering sacrifices for Passover, the city streets would have ran blood. That's how many sacrifices were being offered. And yet, the ultimate sacrifice for your sin and my sin was being elevated 
down the road on a hillside. The, the one who could bring ultimate healing, the sacrifice, as Jesus entered into the procession, he wasn't following the sacrifices that he would offer to the Roman gods. He was the sacrifice. Don't miss the holy moments. Of the pain that was felt by the women, by the disciples, by the people who thought we had thought that he had come to save us, but it looks like we were wrong. I challenge you Saturday, don't miss the holy moment of living with the weight of your dreams being crushed because you don't understand the whole story. And then I challenge you to join us. I think waking up early and going to a 6.30 sunrise service and then going home and cleaning up and coming here to celebrate the resurrection. And then I promise we will get to the joy and the celebration at Easter. We will absolutely do it. But as Bonhoeffer would say, cheap grace is when we don't understand the extent of our sin. The depth of our sin helps us understand the depth of God's grace. So don't miss this moment to really self-reflect and say, thank you, God, for what you did for me. Jesus I can't even imagine how you got on that donkey and rode into town. Knowing what you knew, that in itself is all the evidence I need to know that you're a person that I want to give my life to. The love you showed just by getting on that donkey is more than enough to sustain, sustain me. And yet... In your final hours, you were still caring for the poor and meeting with the hurting and teaching and discipling and, and comforting your disciples. Jesus, this week I pray that we will have holy moment after holy moment. I pray that our minds will constantly be on you and your cross and what you did for us because we want to truly, wholeheartedly celebrate the resurrection and we can't just skip from happy Sunday to happy Sunday and not take a moment and remember the sacrifice that you paid. We love you. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. It's that Spirit that's with us now. You are at the right hand of your Father, but your Spirit is with us now. And we believe that even now we are not alone because we have a comforter and we have someone to guide us and someone to speak life into us and someone to help us. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. I pray that this week and the rest of our lives, we will walk in step with your Spirit. That your provenient grace will go before and then we'll walk in step and catch up. And then your grace will go before and we'll walk and we'll catch up. And that we will just be in step with your Spirit all the days of our lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus, the Savior. Amen. This week is... Uh...
usually about the most special week for me to celebrate the communion or Eucharist or Last Supper, whatever you want to call it. Um, if you don't have one, I've got a few extras up here or there's some back there. Um, if you're visiting, I'll just let you know there are no rules in you sharing this with us. If you want to know more about Jesus, if you feel like, hey, I want to participate even though I don't really understand, absolutely, feel free to share this time with us. So you can, I've got a couple of you and raise your hand or there's some back there. Um, this week is special to me because this, between now and Friday, sometime this week, Jesus sat down with his disciples and uh, he, he knew his time was coming. There was even one with him who was going to betray him this week, this very week. And Jesus sat down with him as well, all of them. And they were having their Passover meal time. And Jesus took a cup of the juice or, or wine and bread. And he started to explain what was going to happen. And he had been telling them all along, and, and a lot of them didn't really quite get it. But he said, basically... I'm going to be broken for you all. Even to Judas, even to the one he knew was going to betray him, he sat down and shared. I mean, there was sin in this guy's heart. And Jesus says, I still love you. I still want to share with you. So this week, as we prepare, uh, we're, we're kind of lucky because we've already seen the backside of it all, right? We already know how next Sunday turns out. But I still like to go through it as as Pastor was talking about. This week, understanding, it, it, there's some tough times. Knowing the suffering that uh, I spend a lot of time in Catholic churches. They do a really good job at, at helping to focus on the suffering of Christ. His real physical on earth sacrifice for us. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a long and complicated story that ends in him being victorious though. So, I want you to imagine, as you can, this week we are together and we've got this, this Last Supper with Jesus. So, as, as we open up this top portion, it's always a little tricky for me. This here symbolizes the bread that Jesus took with his disciples. The ones that loved him and the one that betrayed him and everybody else in between. And he looked at them and said, Hey, this is my body broken for you. It hadn't happened yet. And they were trying to comprehend what was going on. But this is my body broken for you. When you eat, eat remembrance of me. So let's eat together and remember him. And he took the cup. And said, this is my blood. It hadn't happened yet. They didn't really quite understand how, what, what that story was going to turn out to be. He said, this is my blood shed for you. And that's very, very significant, especially during the Passover time, as the sacrifice was cleansing. And what Jesus was saying is, I am laying down my life, my blameless, my sinless life, laying it down for you so that you can be made clean. All of you that want to be, well, start over again from nothing, be made pure. I'm laying down my life for you. So he said, when you drink, 
do this remembrance of me. So let's drink and remember his sacrifice for us. Father, we we are here in in awe of you today, creator of all things, life giver to us, redeemer, the one who sets us free from all the sin, that shows us real life, that true life of freedom, and gives eternal life. We thank you for your, your love and your willingness to go through anything possible and everything possible, where you even were humiliated for our sake. I know that you could have come as a king, conquering, crushing the enemies. But you came and you laid down your life and said, I will be the sacrifice needed to bring everlasting peace and life. So, Father, I pray that we really understand more of that this week as we know that you next Sunday we're going we're gonna to hear about it all the great story of you overcoming everything of you defeating death of you bringing true and eternal life we love you Jesus and we just can't thank you enough for how much you love us in your name we pray Amen Amen will you stand with me if you're visiting with us Uh, We sing our benediction, and so you're welcome just to receive it. Uh, We'll sing loud enough for both of, for everyone, but uh, so good to see you. I can't wait for next Sunday. Invite someone to Easter. Invite someone to a message that they need to hear as much as you and I need to hear. So sing with me. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go in God's grace and peace this week. We'll see you next Sunday.